Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, in case you didn't know, and today we are doing the first live video podcast. So I apologize if there's anything weird going on or weird sounding. I'm also still doing an audio podcast. So I'm actually recording the audio while I'm streaming the video at the same time. So kind of what I'm doing is I'm going to be, you know, once the video is done, I'm going to, you know, edit it a little bit, upload it to my YouTube channel, you know, so people can watch the video if they want. But I'm also going to be working and editing on the audio. And this is this is its first test. So if it doesn't turn out to be the way I want it, I may try it a couple more times and just see how it does. If it's not the way I like it or anything like that, if it gets to be too complicated or pain in the butt, then I just may stick with doing audio but tonight is just something is it's pretty much just gonna be a test so we're gonna see how it goes um so yeah so i apologize ahead of time if there's any weirdness or other kind of weirdness anything like that and yeah let's just see how it goes i teased a little bit of an announcement on the last episode when I interviewed Jadine Clumper- Clumperens, I'm probably completely butchering that name, but, and I just wanted to let everybody know. And if you're watching the video right now, you probably see the logo in the bottom right hand corner. I am now on legitmtg.com. They are featuring my podcast on there now, which is awesome, you know, and I just have to thank them for that. Because, you know, I've been working really hard on this. It's something, you know, I have a passion for doing and I enjoy doing it. And I just hope to keep going with it. And, you know, I was talking with Legit MTG. We were going back and forth and, you know, they decided to give me a shot. And, you know, I want to do my best for them. So I implore everybody to go check at LegitMTG.com out. Um, They have a lot of cool articles out there, you know, a lot of you know standard, modern, competitive, casual articles about everything, pretty much. Um, they've got some really detailed articles on there, um, you know, some short articles, uh, pretty interesting stuff. It's, is that just check it out? And they also have a store too, which, <clears throat> you know, I was looking at the stuff and the prices they have and it doesn't look too bad. It's, it's pretty, pretty comparable. Um, to stuff you'll see on TCG Player, Star City Games, but you know, and what's cool is what you save when you get free shipping on orders two dollars or more, right? Let's check that right how. And as you can see on the other screen, that yeah, it is yeah free shipping on orders two dollars or more. I mean. What not that one of the main things that is always a pain in the butt, especially buying online, is the shipping is always a pain in the butt. But yeah, you can see if you're watching the video right now, you will see that, hey, look at me. I'm right there. Yeah, which is cool. So you will be seeing more of my podcasts up there. And like I said, definitely go check them out. They're pretty cool website. A lot of cool articles too. a lot of cool people. So yeah, that was my big announcement. I was teasing and... Yeah, thought it was cool. So, 
this is a little bit lesser known, and I really meant to say something on my previous podcast. I completely forgot, and my uh, yeah, I kind of spoiled it. I just said, <laughs> I just said, yeah, my other podcast. Um, yeah, I have another podcast now. Yeah, and my co-host, which it's I'm not just alone in it. It's I have a co-host. And he was a little mad at me that I forgot to mention it in the other, um, my previous episode, because we've done two episodes in the can so far. We're probably going to be doing a third one really soon. And yeah, and it was funny because if you hear, if you hear, because I always like to do mention all the social media stuff in the beginning of the episodes and you'll hear me and I can even remember when I was doing all the intros in the last episode, you know, for where you can find Magic with Zuby. And I'm like, oh, there's something I'm forgetting. There's something I'm forgetting. Yeah, I forgot to mention it. And yeah, he wasn't too happy. But uh, it, it's all right, though. So the other podcast that I am doing that my friend and I have started, it is called VCR Gaming. And what VCR stands for is Video Cassette Recorder. No, not really. Um, Vintage Classic Retro. It is a pretty cool podcast. You know, we've, we've got some, you know, cool ideas with it. We talk a lot about retro gaming, you know, st not standard. Um, God, I've got magic on the brain. Um, modern gaming. Yeah, modern, standard, vintage. Um, <laughs> yeah, too much magic on the brain right now. I literally just got back from game day probably like an hour ago. Um what else? Yeah, vintage classic retro. We talk about you know vintage games, retro games, modern games. Uh, you know, talk about games that we've picked up. Uh, one of, one of my favorite aspects of the podcast is the retro challenges we give each other. So on the first podcast, he gave me the challenge of beating Mighty Morphin Power Rangers on the Super Nintendo, and I whooped that game's ass. And then, now we haven't released the second episode yet, but yeah, you'll see if you listen to it. And I gave him the challenge of beating Kung Fu for his first challenge, and he hated me after that. He just really, really wanted to kill me. And like I said, really go check out VCR Gaming. It's We have a YouTube channel as well. We've got Instagram, Twitter, our Twitter is at VCR Gaming. Facebook, facebook.com slash VCR Gaming. Um, VCR Gaming is on iTunes now. It's on YouTube. Shout Engine, Stitcher. We're getting approved for Google Play Music. And I think that's I think that's about it for the VCR Gaming. Um, like I said, definitely check it out. It's me and my friend, and it's... I mean, it's a lot, it's pretty laid back, it's fun, we bullshit with each other, and, and it's just good stuff. So, yeah, check it out. Um, as far as this podcast goes, Magic with Zuby, you can find Magic with Zuby on a few places. So you can find Magic with Zuby on Twitter, at Magic with Zuby. You can find it on Facebook, facebook.com slash Magic with Zuby. You can find it on mtgcast.com, which is a really cool network of Magic the Gathering podcasts, uh, you know, a, a huge network forum. 
And there is also, you can see you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher. I just submitted the application for Google Play Music, so I should be approved to be on Google Play Music in a couple days. Uh, what else? Oh, my website, magicwazubi.com. I'm, I think I mentioned it before that I'm going to be holding back a little bit on the articles I was doing every week because I'm, I'm a little bit more interested in doing more video content and trying to get more uh, podcasts out there, you know, more video content. Um, we'll see. It's, I'm just focusing on doing the podcast video right now. And if that goes well, and if it's not too much of a pain in the butt to edit the video and the audio, because the audio is going to be harder to edit anyway, I think, because I've got intro music and all that. The video, I'm, I'm, eh, I don't know. I'm probably just going to cut the video a little bit and then just upload it to YouTube. That's about it. And yeah, so there may be more video content coming. If there is, it's probably going to be, I don't know. I mean, I could do deck techs and all that stuff, but eh boring maybe i could just do random like oh my god i went to game day and completely lost something like that so yeah and oh you can also find me on legitmtg.com which i just mentioned earlier yeah you know shameless plug so anyways i also like to mention this on every podcast that if you want to reach out and send me any questions or you want me to read any questions on the air, you can email me at mtgzuby at gmail.com or tweet at me at my personal Twitter at Zubatron, Z-U-B-A-T-R-O-N, or you could do the podcast Twitter, which is at Magic with Zuby. So, you know, whichever you prefer, you know, or if you're watching the YouTube video, when it goes up on YouTube, just comment down below. And if you want to ask me something stupid, like what do my boogers taste like, you know, just fucking ask me. I'll tell you it tastes like, you know, minestrone or something, you know, whatever. Yeah, that was stupid. I know. Um, Yeah, so what has been going on in Magic lately? Uh, I guess we can get on with some of the big magic news that you know everybody is probably discussed to death by now um the hall of fame and platinum pro changes and if you're hearing this now i mean if you haven't heard about this by now um basically what happened was on sunday i think it was like what right before the finals of the pro tour of shadows over innistrad they announced that they're going to be making all these changes to the hall of fame and platinum pro player appearance fees and they're going to be reducing them from what a thousand dollars to 250 or 3000 and if you know i think that's for the hall of fame and if you're a platinum pro it goes from like 3000 to 250 and you know they announced this right before i think the finals and everybody flipped their shit is the nicest way of putting it everybody just sort of went you know, the community was just going crazy. And I I was a little bit perturbed by it because I was just wondering what, like, first of all, why announce something like that in the middle of a tournament? You know, 
shouldn't that have waited after like maybe the next day it probably would have been a little bit more PR-ish at least give the guy who won you know the pro tour you know his moment in the spotlight like, yeah the poor guy what was it Steve Rubin hold on I'm gonna look it up real quick because I already forgot and I'm just pull it up on the screen here pro tour shadows over Innerstrad. yeah Steve Rubin with the Selesnia aggro and he he lost I mean he didn't lose but he won and people you know people barely cared about that because they're more they were just going crazy about this Hall of Fame stuff and I don't blame them because it it really came out of left field and I guess my whole take on it was you know why announce that like it is and if they if if they kept with what they were going to say why I mean I feel I feel like they almost it was only like half an announcement not not a whole announcement because why announce bad changes like that and not have some sort of backup plan because were they not expecting a backlash I mean really how how did that even get past you know their marketing department or whatever department they have to go through to you know make announcements like that I mean did they not expect the kind of backlash with it I I'd be interested to be a fly in the wall during that meeting and see, you know, what exactly was going through their brains when they when they announced it. So, I mean, like I said, there was a big backlash. Pros were saying, oh, you know, we're not going to play. We're not going to come to the tournaments. We're not going to do this or that, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then a few days later, Wizards goes back and I think they basically said, oh, we're, we're reversing the changes we did for the 2016 to 2017 platinum pro season and but the, i don't think they really made any mention of of um i lost my train of thought um, of um what they're going to be doing in the future so if it's only for next year or for the next platinum pro season that you know they're going to be keeping their fees what are they going to do for next year if they're still going to go on with the changes of Hey, you guys are only getting 250 bucks for each pro tour for, or yeah, for showing up and just the platinum pros. What, what are their plans for that afterwards? Because as a lot of people may not know, when you're a pro magic player, you don't make a lot of money just from playing magic. A lot from what I understand and from what I've seen, a lot of the money that these pros make are from writing articles. If they're sponsored, or, you know, whatever kind of day or side jobs they have. Because in the end, it's really hard to make good money in Magic. Because you have to not only consistently win and place, you know, even the prize pools aren't even that much in the long run. You know, let's just say, let's just say, you know, you win, I don't know, a big name tournament and the prize is... Ten twenty thousand dollars, you know. After taxes, how much is that going to be? Let's just say fifteen, seventeen, say seventeen thousand, and you know, say that's the biggest prizes you won that year, and you know, maybe you won a few thousand dollar tournaments, something like that. You add that up. Let's just say you won twenty five to twenty eight thousand dollars that year. 
that's really not a lot of money. That's pretty much like poverty level right there in the U S. Um, and the, plus you got to think about all the, the expenses that are paid for traveling hotels, food, you know, not even on top of, if you don't get magic cards from a sponsor, from a team, you know, that's even more money down the drain. Think about that to keep up with some of these decks. When some of these decks are five to $800, it's insanity, you know? And then plus, you know, what if the, the $800 deck that you're playing decides to, Oh, it gets completely hated out of the meta. Oh, but you know, you got to build this other deck. That's another three, $400. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a drop in the bucket for a lot of people or for some people, but you know, when you don't have a sponsor or a team that, that can be a lot of money. So it's, I mean, I don't know what wizard's plan is for after this, after this next season for the, for the, um, you know, platinum pro changes. So we just have to wait and see. I really hope they have some something that they can come up with by next year that maybe they have they run some sort of sponsorship program or anything like that to where to where hey maybe they maybe not the company themselves sponsor but they work with other companies like i don't know ultra pro which i think there's already a team ultra pro and or some i don't know do something like mountain dew or get some drink companies involved or food companies like Doritos and Mountain Dew, like Call of Duty has something, you know, Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I I mean, I'm not a marketer, so it's probably way above my head. So yeah, like I said, that was one of the big, um, things that happened this week. And, you know, I was kind of glad to see the community all sort of rally together with that. And, you know, everybody was pretty much in agreement for the most part that, you know, that change was pretty shitty for people that had already earned platinum. And I guess platinum is a status that you get when after grinding so many high level tournaments and placing and getting so many X amount of points, you earn that platinum status. And, you know, it, it was just a shitty situation overall. And I just don't wish that for anybody, really. But, I mean, you know, like I said, who knows what's going to happen next year. So, anyways, let's talk. Let's actually talk about the Pro Tour. And I will just go over briefly over the top eight Pro Tour deck lists. First place was Selesnia Agro, which was green-white tokens. Played by Steve Rubin. Won by Steve Rubin. Uh, next was Good Old Bant Company by Andrea Mengucci. And then after that were two Esper control decks, Shota Yasuka and Seth Manfield. Uh, Boros Goggles deck. What's this Boros Goggles? Oops, I did not want to click on that because I know how to click on stuff. Boros Goggles. So it, you know, it looks like just a pretty crazy control deck. It was Chandra Nahiri. Pyromancer Goggles. So yeah, that was played by Louis Slovato. Golgari Aristocrats, which made a really good showing at this Pro Tour. So, 
Yeah, this seemed like a very... I mean, Cryptolithrite was just a champion in this deck, where creatures you control have tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So it's an enchantment, one colorless, one green. And it just made this deck just really awesome. Basically, if you look up the four-color rally deck, it... This is what Golgari Aristocrats basically is, is a four-color rally deck, but with only two colors now. Now that the mana base, it it's really hard to support four colors now with the mana base, with fetches gone. And, you know, you have Blister Pod, which is a one green. When Blister Pod dies, put a 1-1 one, one colorless Eldrazi Scion creature token onto the battlefield. It has Sacrifice this creature, add one to your mana pool. Um, you got Catacomb Sifter. When Catacomb Sister enters the battlefield, put a 1-1 colorless Eldrazi Scion creature token onto the battlefield. It has Sacrifice this creature, add one to your battle battlefield. Yes, add one to your mana pool. Whenever another creature you control dies, scry one. So, yeah, if you look at it, there's a lot of the creatures from the four-color rally deck. And you've got Elvish Visionary, Liliana Her Heretical Heal Healer, um, Lone Druid, or Dryad because I know how to read, Nantuko Hus and Zulaport Cutthroat. And bait in Collect a Company, I mean, it's it's a Coco deck, pretty much. But the one thing that I saw, God, I saw one game that LSV did, Louis, Louis Scott Vargas, where he had the Westvale Abbey, which is the land that flips into a 9-7, you know, flying indestructible, flying lifelink indestructible haste or Ormondal. Where he was able to flip that by turn 4 or turn 5. You get a 9-7 on turn 4 or turn 5. Yet, if your opponent doesn't have anything to do, just scoot. I mean, a 9-7 is nothing to bulk at. So yeah. Um, I mean, with bank companies still being pretty dominant, it's I can see this deck you know, still being pretty, pretty, I guess, out there in the meta. Um, then we have good old Gruel Ramp, which Brad Nelson played, which I had been playing Ramp for past couple weeks, and I gotta say I'm I'm a little tired. Of, I'm a little over it. While it's really awesome to be able to play, you know, an Ulamog by turn five, it's I just feel like there's not much to do if you're not drawing the cards you need. But with Brad Nelson's deck, he really solved that problem that a lot of people you know, inherently have with the green red ramp deck, which is you play a lot of the ramp spells, but if you don't have the creatures in hand, what do you do? You know, there's nothing you can do. So what his take on the deck was, he's only got four creatures in the deck, one dragon Lord of Tarka and three world breaker, no Ulamogs at all. You know, what's a ramp deck without Ulamog? I mean, Ulamog is really awesome. I mean, world breaker, a, essentially almost does the same thing i mean you can't target you can't target creatures right yeah you can only exile artifact enchantments or lands you know which is fine a five seven for seven mana is still good plus it has reach you know it'll stop most things it'll stop avison but um the thing that his deck does a lot differently is he's got how many draw spells he's got three magmatic insight which is Cost one red as an additional cost to cast Magmatic Insight, discard a land card, draw two cards, 
And while you normally don't really want to discard land, especially in a ramp deck, he has four Drown Yard Temples. So if you're discarding a Drown Yard Temple, you're already winning. Because with Drown Yard Temple, it adds a colorless mana. But if you pay three color or three generic, you return Drown Yard Temple from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. So you discard the Drown Yard Temple, you pay three, boom, you got it back. You know, it's that easy. And not only does he have those three draw spells, he's got four Tormenting Voice, which is cost one colorless, one red, as an additional cost to cast Tormenting Voice, discard a card, and draw two cards. And like I said before, it's, you know, boom, seven card draw spells, plus Traverse the Uvenwald for some mana fixing, which if you have Delirium, which, you know, there may be a good chance you have Delirium by then, and with Traverse the Ulvenwald, you basically search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. But with Delirium, if there are four or more card types among cards in your graveyard, instead search your library for a creature or land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. So with Delirium activated, you know, you're not drawing any of those creatures, boom. Oh, you just got a world breaker. GG. All right, and then plus his other spells, Chandra Flamecaller, which is the Planeswalker, um, Two Hedron Archive, which is just a pretty expensive mana rock, which does, you can sacrifice it to draw two cards. Um, then three Pyromancer Goggles, which is the one really interesting card in this deck that I really, really like. Because Goggles was making an appearance on Blue-Red Control, where basically what Pyromancer Goggles does is it costs five mana, you add red to your mana pool. When that mana is spent to cast a red instant or sorcery spell, copy that spell, and you may choose new targets for the copy. So what was one of the things that the blue-red control deck did? It would copy its draw spells or copy its burn spells. So you need to clear that board, boom, play Kozilek's Return, and copy it. Boom, you did four damage to the entire board. Um, you want to draw more cards? Boom. Use that to copy Tormenting Voice, and you only have to discard one card. See, you discard one card and draw four. Yes, please, give it to me. Damn. Um, yeah. So, one of, like I said, one of the things that a lot of the ramp decks, and th this gets me a little excited when I saw it, because I've been playing ramp for, you know, a couple months now. So, I, I feel like I know the deck a little bit decently. So, when... Like I said before, one of the problems that Ramp inherently has is if you don't have a good opening hand, you just have to really luck out on the top deck. And that is where it gets tough and frustrating to where if you don't, if you can't dig for the cards that you need, you know, you're done, basically. But what Brad Nelson has done is... He got rid of a lot of the creatures, mainly Ulamog, because before I would be running Atarka, Worldbreaker, you know, maybe like two to maybe two Atarkas, four Worldbreaker, four, not four Ulamog, maybe two to three Ulamog. And he, and when you, and then he can just draw into them with Tormenting Voice and Magmatic Insight. Plus, one of the other things that was really interesting was the mana base. When you look at his mana base, there are two land types that 
are not in there, which, you know, have been pretty much staples in the ramp deck, and at least until now. And that is Shrine of... Was it Shrine of the Forsaken Gods? Here, let me pull it up. Shrine of the Forsaken Gods, which you can see on the screen. And in case you forget, it's add one to your mana pool or add two to your mana pool. Spend this mana only to cast colorless spells. Activate this ability only if you control seven or more lands. So he doesn't have that card, nor does he have one of my favorite cards, Sanctum of Ugin, in the main board which is add one to your mana pool and whenever you cast a colorless spell with converted mana cost seven or greater you may sack sanctum of ugin if you do search your library for a colorless creature card reveal it put it into your hand then shuffle your library so he ha he doesn't have either of those cards in his mana base which when i was looking at that I'm like he at least doesn't even have sanctum of ugin so you can try to you know you cast world breaker oh i want to get another world breaker out boom you got another one out but I mean, he got on the top eight with it. I mean, the deck is no slouch. And when you look at the sideboard, the sideboard is very... I mean, all sideboards are really meta-dependent on what you're... Depending on what your, you know, local meta is. But what he was expecting in the Pro Tour, he had another Chandra Flamecaller. Um, three Den Protectors, which allow you to return whatever card you need from your graveyard. When you flip it up, two Draconic Roars. Which, yeah, I can see him using that. Um, I mean, because you don't always need to reveal a dragon card. I mean, spending two to to deal three, you know, it's a good lightning strike. Another Dragon Lord Atarka. Two Goblin Dark Dwellers, which I gotta say, I wish this card saw more play because it is a... I love it. I mean, it's basically a really expensive Snapcaster Mage. It's three colorless and two red has menace which means it can't be blocked by one creature uh, when goblin dark dwellers enters the battlefield and may cast target instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard without paying its mana cost so like i said it is like a snapcaster but with only sorceries or instants that are two three or less and you exile it when it's done it's i really wish this card saw more play um, rending volleys, which are, you know, a really good sideboard card and three tireless trackers, which, you know, you're going to be playing a lot of land in this deck. I mean, I can see this being a good chump blocker for early aggression. Um, like I said, I was really excited to see Brad play this ramp deck after, after I've been playing ramp for so long. It's been, it was a really nice change of pace, but one of the craziest decks that was out there that you know good old mr john finkel was playing and if you don't know who that is i think he's what been in 16 top eights in pro tours i mean the man's been playing magic from the very beginning and he came out with a seasons control deck a green black control deck which typically if you know anything about magic green black isn't typically a control deck unless it adds red with jund um and even then it's not really control it can be more mid-rangey i mean depending on the deck and the set and all that so it is 
I, I just want to go over it a little bit. I've seen it played um, personally. I mean, besides seeing it play on screen, I've seen it played in person where it's just, you know, I'm just going to do everything I can to kill everything you have out on the board. And I'll either eventually kill you with my hissing quagmires, which is the creature land, the green black creature land. And or he's they're eventually going to get Kalidus out or Nissa Vastwood Seer and flip it. I mean, whatever green and black removal there is, this this deck has it. The Dark Petition, the Dark Petition Seasons Pass combo is really cool. So Seasons Pass, I mean, this card shot way up. I mean, for is what two bucks? It's now up to eight seventy two according to MTG Top Eight. Um. Seasons Pass is four four colorless or four generic, two green. Return any number of cards with different converted mana costs from your graveyard to your hand. Put Seasons Pass on the bottom of its owner's library. So basically, what this does is a lot of the spells to not only do hand disruption like Transgress the Mind or, or just straight up spot removal like Ultimate Price... Or Ruinous Path, um, Languish, Infinite Obliteration, Grasp of Darkness. You know, the, the spot removal that's there, what Seasons Pass does, if that's all in your graveyard, you just got all those cards back. Awesome. And Seasons Pass doesn't go in your graveyard, it goes in your library. So if you get a Dark Petition, which is basically a very expensive tutor, you get, and if you have Spell Mastery, which adds three black to your mana pool, you could cast Dark Petition once you have a crap ton of lands out. Cast Dark Petition, search for Seasons Pass. You have three floating black, and then you tap three other mana to play Seasons Pass, get back Dark Petition, and get back whatever other removal spells you have. Boom. You just keep that cycle going. It's just insane. I mean... The deck is extremely slow. I mean, it is not a fast deck whatsoever. Most control decks are very slow, but when I've seen this deck played, it is, it's a grinder. It is just a grueling, grinding deck. But man, is it... When you do that Dark Petition Seasons Pass engine, it, it just feels so good, I bet. Um, I mean, the sideboard is... You know, same same kind of stuff. Uh, more more disruption, more spot removal, stuff like that. And, yeah. So, I was kind of happy not seeing a crap ton of Bant Company. I mean, yeah, Bant Company did make it to the top eight. But it did not win. I mean, it did get to the finals. So, I mean, it did get to second place. But, other than that. I mean, there was a crap ton of Bant Company throughout the entire thing. Um, a lot of Ramp, too, which w really surprised me. I, di I thought, I didn't think Ramp was going to be that, you know, apparent. I thought it was going to, you know. I mean, I, it's still a deck. It's it's still very possibly a deck out there. Um, and there was a lot of White Weenies, a.k.a. Mono Humans. And... Yeah, it's um, it's a deck, all right. But um, yeah, I mean, Bant Bant Company is still still a force to be reckoned with. After this, it's 
the meta at my local shop has, I mean, it's changed, obviously. I've seen the Seasons Control, Green Black Aristocrats, and, you know, Ramp and all that. I mean, I think I've seen some people play Esper Control now. And I think Green White Tokens. I mean, we do have the one Bant Company player. Well, now we have two because I decided to play Bant Company. Ugh. Yeah, I'll get into that. I, I, I started up Bant Company, but a different kind of version. Um, let me just leave this list of Bant Company up so I can talk about some of the changes I've done. Uh, the changes I've mainly done are because I'm Poe and, um, yeah, I didn't feel like putting in a lot of money, especially for the Avisons. So if anybody out there wants to send me some Avisons, I mean, real Avisons, not magic online Avisons, you know, hit me up and, um, we'll make out a little deal. You can just send it to me for free. I'll pay you postage. What? 50 cents a stamp. Boom. Got this. And that's how you get more free shit. Um, anyways, so yeah, so that, that's my meta has changed a little bit. So let's go over how FNM was last night and the deck that I decided to bring. I'm going to pull it up on the screen here. If the website shows up, come on. Oh, there you go, laddie. There you go. Okay. So, if you're looking at the video, you can see the list. If not, it's basically an Is It Thopters list that I took last night, and I ended up going two and two. So I evened out, and I did get some money. I got like nine bucks, and I just bought some packs. I'm just like, yeah, what am I going to do with nine bucks? I don't really need anything. But it's it's a pretty standard um is it Thopters deck. I decide to go a little bit more control variant. Um you know the creatures I have are Chief of the Foundries, which is my lords, um, four hangerback walkers, three hedron crawlers, two Pia and Kieran Nalar, four Thopter Engineer, four Vile Aggregate, and two Whirler Rogues. So like I said, it's a pretty standard list. It's more mono red Eldrazi list it than anything. I mean, I added the Whirler Rogue because that does come in handy when you want a certain creature, a.k.a. Vile Aggregate, not to be blocked. And you have, like, ten Thopters out. It, Like I said, I did go more of a control package with um, Anticipate, which is... Oh, that was such a big help. Um, Dispel. Outnumber was definitely a card that I would board out. Um, Scatter to the Winds, which is the basic three mana... Counterspell, which I did use Awaken in some games, which definitely helped. Um, and my sideboard is basically a counter package. Horribly awry for countering those pesky small cost creatures, you know, four mana or less creatures, which there's a lot. Invasive Surgery, which I gotta say, this is probably... I think I mentioned this before in a podcast a few episodes ago. This was my... I was super excited about this card when it was first spoiled and I'm still excited to play it. I love one mana counters, especially, you know, since, especially with this deck, since I get a lot of thopters out and languish is a very real threat, you know, boom, invasive surgery. Sorry. And negates, you know, counter target, non-creature spell, radiant flames. And 
you know, I was going back and forth between this or Kozilek's return. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on. Radiant Flames is my Magic Online version. No, I do have Kozilek's return on my paper version since I actually do have those cards. So, yeah, just ignore that. Rending Volley, um, Roast, and Tears of Valakut. Tears of Valakut is, was for Avicen. So... Like I said, I went two and two. I lost against Bant Company, which those games were actually somewhat close. But the first game was somewhat close. The second game, I think I just got run over. It's got bad draws. And then the other game I lost against Seasons Control. I kept really terrible hands that I shouldn't have. And, you know, I paid the price for it. And that's just what happens when you keep terrible hands. And, yeah, like I said, I went two and two. And I got nine bucks out of it. I got some packs and didn't pull anything good. Yeah, so that was that. That was basically it. Oh, let's see. So, if you've heard my other episodes by now... I have been brewing up this artifact explosion deck. And after talking with Jadeen last week, I've come up with, you know, it's still not complete. I still really need to focus on, well, one, I need time to focus on this. So it's... It, it's starting to get there. It's starting to shape itself, we could say. Um, so this is nowhere near a final list, and I'm still not really satisfied with it because it's. I feel like it's gone a little bit away from the, the artifact theme of it. So basically, my artifact explosion deck now for the creatures, it has 20 creatures, which seems like a lot because... I was thinking about this, and with that 8-whack um, deck that's been going around, the Goblin deck, I was thinking maybe take the Goblin Bushwhacker and the Reckless Bushwhacker. The Reckless Bushwhacker was from Jadeen's idea, which I really liked. But there's also the Goblin Bushwhacker, which basically does the same thing as Reckless Bushwhacker. And, you know, maybe have that as a backup contingency plan. I now have three Memnites which are zero-costing 1-1s, three Mere Sires, which when Mere Sire dies, put a 1-1 colorless Mere Artifact Creature token onto the battlefield. Four Hangerback Walker. I'm still unsure about this card. It just seems too slow for what I want to do. Um, and my spells are collater Collateral Damage, um, Galvanic Blast, Lightning Bolt, Shrapnel Blast, and Kodaltha Rebirth. Icker Wellspring. I'm thinking about taking Collateral Damage out. Um, I'm not sure what to replace it with yet. But it's getting there. It's getting faster. But I'm still... I'm trying really hard not to make it... You know, similar to... You know, like an 8-whack or uh, Affinity deck. I'm, I'm Not that I'm trying to be like, Oh, I need to be original and shit. It's just I'm trying to... I guess try to make it stay in the theme that I want it to do. You know what I mean? So it's, it's taken some work. Like I said, it's, I I'm working on it when I can, or when I remember 
and it's getting there. And plus, right now, it's pretty cheap deck. Right now, if I were to keep it as it is right now, it would cost me eighty bucks to build this, and eighty bucks for a modern deck—that's not bad at all. When I've spent, I don't know how much money on my Grixis deck. Ugh. I'm gonna say I don't even think my Grixis deck is even worth that much. Now, my Grixis Delver. Let's take a look. This is how it is right now, and it's about seven hundred sixty-seven dollars. Damn. Okay. So yeah. Almost 800 bucks. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, so that's where I'm at with the Artifact Explosion deck. Um, yeah. So, it, it, it's getting there. It's a work in progress. I hope maybe in the next few weeks when I have time to actually devote to it to actually figure out, you know, what what it's going to be and, you know, do some play testing. Maybe, maybe I'll film that. Maybe I'll just record, um, you know, depending if, if it's not too expensive on Moto, I might just build it on Moto and record that. And we'll just see, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little excited to play it. It's, I haven't played modern in a few weeks and I'm getting that itch. I need to scratch that itch. You know, it's, I've been really, really itching to play some elves in modern. So yeah, there's that. Um, Let's see, my week has been, I've been so busy with life right now. Um, I've probably mentioned that I'm buying a house right now, and it's still not done. I'm waiting to close on my house, so hopefully that is next week or the week after. I don't know when. I'm just, I'm exhausted with this whole process. I just want it to be done. <laughs> So I can like start focusing on, you know, doing the improvements I want to do to the house. Um, say work has been insanely busy. Uh, been focusing on VCR gaming podcast slash shameless plug, and just you know, kids, wife, life type things. You know, all that stuff just happens. Yeah, I mean, I feel like lately I just have not had the time I want to focus on with magic, you know, and it's just been, it's tough because, you know, when you're young, you have all this time that you just never think of that, you know, you know, when you're young, you know, teenager, even when you're in college and, and you have all this time and when you get older and have responsibilities, you just, you really realize that you have no time for anything. I mean, yeah, I have time on the weekends to do stuff, but there's other stuff I got to do. I got to do chores around the house, um, you know, because the house isn't going to stay clean by itself or, you know, do maintenance around the house or, you know, go out and get stuff that you need or, I don't know, spend time with the kids and do stuff with them. And, you know, because I try to spend, you know, as much time as I can. You know, because during the week, it's there's some days I'll get home from work, not until eight or nine o'clock, and I may see them for five ten minutes because they put them I put them to bed, and then I just pass out right afterwards too because I'm just so tired. Um, but you know, I don't really want to bitch about my life or anything. I mean, I've got it pretty good, and all that. You know, I work hard. It's I've got stuff to show for it and all that. Um, but yeah, I guess that sort of sets up. 
you know, what I want to talk about next. And that's how I went to a PPTQ last weekend during the pro tour and I scrubbed out and I scrubbed out bad. Like I probably tilted a little bit too, because I took my ramp deck and the FNM beforehand the night before, I think I got third or fourth place in it. And I was playing a list that I was playing a ramp list, which really was focused more on the grindy game, which I would gain a lot of life and I would just eventually thin out my deck so much that I would draw nothing but the answers I would need. But, and I would keep gaining life. I had Jotty offshoots, um, you know, Nissa's renewals, all the other stuff, explosive vegetation. I had four Ulamogs, four world breakers, four Jotty offshoots. And that was all my creatures. And it was just, and it did pretty well, but you know, silly old me, I decided to change up my list the night before and think, Oh, Hey, it's going to do well. And you know, of course I did, I, you know, I, I played some good games. They weren't bad. It's just, I lost to uh, two control decks and then I lost to, uh, I lost to two black, white control decks. And then the first round was when Eldrazi, it was like a blue, white Eldrazi deck with Eldrazi Displacer and Jace and Thoughtnots. That that game, those games were extremely close, but you know, I think it was a six round PPTQ, and usually I try to stay for the whole thing. And I've I've said this before in other podcasts that you know when you stay, you know, you just learn more. I just scrubbed out, and I'm just like, you know, I drove like an hour and a half for this whole thing, and it's just I'm losing terribly, and I just wasn't having fun, and it's just and that attitude has been kind of showing up even in F and M where I'm just like, I'm giving up way too easily. It's I'm getting really discouraged and it's just, it's hard. It's hard to get over, you know, because I, as I've said before, in other podcasts, I'm a very competitive person and it's, it's tough when you're playing a game that has such high randomness, high variance to where, you know, and, you know, Jadine explained it perfectly in the previous episode, you could be the best player in the room and you'll still go 0 and 6 or 0 and 3 or 0 and 4, you know, just because you cannot, your deck just will not draw. And it's, it's hard to really take that in and understand because, it's, I, I like to, I was even thinking about this this week on, on my way to work when I would do martial arts, when I would practice for a fight, you know, when you're practicing for a fight, there's stuff that, you know, what's going to happen when, when you know who your opponent is, you know, especially when you get up into the little bit higher levels, you know, who your opponents are and you know how they fight, you know, you know, their moves, you start to know the person and you start to really know yourself and what you can do. Um, and so you can't, it's harder to translate that type of thinking into a card game such as magic, because even though you may know the deck that your opponent is playing, 
you can guess what they have in their hand or you can assume what they have in their hand, but there's still a very high chance that you're wrong. And there's a very high chance that you're still going to lose. And it's, and you know, I'm really glad I had that interview with JD because it helped me too, which I hoped it helped other people as well. It helped me to that, you know, she, she also explained that when you're, when you're, you know, especially doing standard, you know, not really counting modern or legacy or anything, but when you're going to a tournament, you're not trying to, you know, have your matchups or you want to have your matchups, I guess, always a 50, 50 shot is going to be your best bet that you have a 50% chance of winning. Whereas you don't want that matchup to be, you know, 80, 20, where you only have a 20, 20% chance of winning. You always want that higher percentage chance. And, you know, you can, I guess, compare that to poker, you know, Texas Hold'em. And it's, it's something that I'm still struggling with because it's, I want to get better, but it's, I'm coming to the realization where one, the biggest thing is I don't have the time to focus on getting better. I don't, I kind of don't have the drive to really want to put in the effort to getting better. If that makes any sense, because it's, and I guess that could be because I don't have the time, which are, you know, two things. One, I need the motivation to be able to push myself, the mental, you know, the really mental game to push myself to be better, but it's, you know, I have other stuff I could and should probably be doing too. Um, and it's just, it's tough, you know, because I told myself this is the year that I want to try to get more competitive. And I'm just starting to realize that, you know, four months into the year that I just don't think I can really put the effort I want into it because I tried, um, and this PPTQ, I told myself, you know, I'm going to grind every night you know, just practice my deck, you know, in and out. And I did it for maybe a night and a half and only played like two hours each. No, no, not even two hours each, like an hour each, maybe. And then just stop because I'm just like, it, it's hard for me to focus on it, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's tough, man. I mean, I don't know if anybody else is out there in that position where, you know, you want to get better at it, but I mean, what do you do when you don't have the time to do it or the energy and, you know, is it something that I really want to do and continue going on? It's, it's almost like I I need to take a step back because lately I have not been enjoying FNMs. I've not been enjoying playing magic lately because it's like one I have not been enjoying playing standard at all. It's like I played um, Bant Company at game day today, and I felt dirty for doing so because, one, I don't really like the deck. It's it's a really good deck. Bant Company is really good. But to me, it's just it's kind of boring in a sense. I mean, yeah, there's some interesting lines of play that you may have to do. You may When do you want a Coco? You know, when do you want to do Collected Company? When do you want to play this guy? But 
like I said, it's it's not really my style deck, but I put it together because it it's what I had. I, I got I didn't really want to bring Is It Thopters to game day today, so I brought Bant Company. And while I don't have the Avicens, which here let me bring up a list that I basically took. Instead of Avicens, I put Eldrazi Displacer in and I put in one waste. I, I think I took out a forest or something. Um but yeah, it's and it's something I've been talking with, you know, a friend of mine. And it's just like I've just not been enjoying the standard and I almost feel like maybe I need to take like a week or two off magic to just, you know, like reassess myself and reassess my thinking. I mean, not not from the podcast or anything like that, because I enjoy doing this. I love doing this or, you know, I get, maybe I just need to step away from actual competitive play for a little bit and just sort of reassess, you know my thinking on it you know just back away from it t- i guess just take a break from competitive play because you know i haven't done that really in a while um you know so it's it's something i've been thinking about doing just maybe taking a break from competitive play um I, hell i even played edh for the first time in a while tonight and even though i lost miserably i, I had fun you know, I brought my Oloro deck, and Oloro is just an asshole. Um, both games, I wasn't even really playing anything. I was just playing my enchantments. And both times, I almost had my um, infinite life gain. Um, not not really infinite life gain, but just, like, completely kill my opponents with... Was it San, Sanguin, Sanguinine Bond? Whenever you gain life, target opponent loses that much life and exquisite blood whenever an opponent loses life you gain that much life so basically they work off each other whenever you gain life your opponent loses that much life but whenever an opponent loses life you gain that much life so just goes in a circle boom that's one of my favorite interactions with the loro but yeah it's um i ain't got nothing else for that it's like I said, I, I just wanted to talk about that. It, it sort of helps me talking this out and just getting those thoughts out there. Because, like I said, I'm a big competitive person, you know, pretty much with anything. You, you ask any of my friends. Hell, the first time we played Rocket League on PS4, my friends and I, they they would hear me like, Zuby, where are you getting some Because I'm like, I want to fucking win. And it's 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 a strange thing because... They hear me getting mad, but it's like, I'm not really getting mad. It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to describe. It's like, I'll get mad, but I'm like, I'm completely level headed at the same time. Like I can like, just keep my cool, but I'll, but I'll fucking yell. It, it's a, it's a weird dichotomy to explain, but, um, yeah, I think that about does it for today's episode. We're about, yeah, we're almost at about an hour here. And um, you listen to me ramble on long enough. Um, yeah, so like I said, today was, you know, today's episode was really where I could announce that I am on legitmtg.com. You will see my episodes up on there. You can, hopefully this video comes out all right, so you can see it on YouTube. 
on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Zubatron, Z-U-B-A-T-R-O-N. And you can catch me on Twitter, at Zubatron, or at Magic with Zuby. Um, Stitcher, iTunes, mtgcast.com. Um, send me emails if you want to ask me any questions, mtgzuby at gmail.com. And, yeah, I think that that about covers it. Oh, yeah, BCR Gaming Podcast. Check that out. I'm, I, I just keep repeating it because, you know, my co-host, Butler, you know, is going to get mad at me if I don't. He 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 said he was going to try to beat me up, which I'd like to see him try. Motherfucker, bring it. No, he didn't really say that shit. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess that, I guess that about does it. Um, my next episode that I'm going to record, I hope to have some guests on. It's... I'm going to be going to be bringing on some guests and we're going to be talking some specific types of magic. So the next few weeks are probably going to be filled with that. I'm also working on get some other guests. Maybe I'll try to get some pro players. I eventually want to get a LGS owner too, a local game store owner and just talk about, you know, what it's like to own a game store and how to not really how to start one up, but you know, maybe the pains of keeping one running and, you know, because I, I know I'm always interested in hearing, you know, business owners talk about their business and what it's like starting it up and all that. So I'm I'm in talks with a store owner right now to see maybe if they can come on and just, you know, chit chat about it. And yeah, that's about it. I'd just like to thank everybody for listening and have a great night. Thank you.